The losing streak is over, but the Marlins, they lose another series, this time to the Colorado Rockies. Not good for the fish. Are they still buyers? Could they be sellers? There's only a few games to go before they have to make those decisions. Going to dig into all of the potential strategy here with the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X <laughs> at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Yeah, that feels new. Anyway, um, this, of course, is your team uh, every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen today. It's an off day as well. It's an off day episode, guys. So no baseball to watch, just Locked on Marlins to listen to or watch as well. If you do want to watch, head on over to YouTube. Hit subscribe there also, and you will see if you are watching. Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, is in the house and looking fresh. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. Well, I say that every time, and after eight losses, I'm not quite sure I am. But mm. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens over the length of this podcast, I guess. We will. We will. Um, it's been a funny period. Not that funny uh, you know, just painful period for the fish. Uh, they 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 tried to find a way to go three sweeps in a row in terms of losses. Um, they somehow managed to overcome that against a putrid Rockies team. Um, Sean, overall assessment of that Rocky series, a 2-1 series loss, including an AJ Puck blown save, a Tanner Scott blow up in the ninth offense pretty cold in the end though Lewis Arias did walk it off so they left feeling good but overall assessment from that Rocky series I think it was just a repeat or, or continuation then of the last time we spoke about how the the Marlins are starting pitching was starting to sort of creak a little bit and they were struggling for innings and that was costing them games and now it's the bullpen like those yeah. innings in the first half have really start to sort of come home and that realization that maybe the Marlins' pitching depth in in both aspects isn't quite there, and this is mm. this all speaks towards what the Marlins need to do at the deadline if they are to be buyers. And and we've seen the holes, and we've talked about the holes for it feels like for a few weeks, months now, where we've been sort of like this, this team's slowly getting closer to being in contention, and the trade deadline's coming. We spoke in the pre-season about the idea of like get to here right now at 500 by and and let's see what happens. And yep. lo and behold, after months and months of baseball, we are here and and that's right where they are. Yeah, they are right now seven games over 500. We're recording this on a Monday evening, and right now, uh, whilst they're seven games over, they're also. In the wild card three spot, exactly joint with the Phillies and the Giants, so they're right where we wanted them to be. I know that they've like had a bit of a tough run after the 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 All Star break, but overall, if they if we were to start the year and we did start the year talking about be at five hundred and there's teams that are kind of 
just under 500 that also may still be buying at this point. You know, the Padres are four games under 500. Are they still buyers? The Cubs, three games under 500. The Marlins, seven games over 500. They are buyers still, though, Sean, right? In my mind, they are. I think yeah. it's interesting if you'd asked me nine games ago mm-hmm. uh, at, at the All-Star break how how invested they should be. I would have. I, I think I even said, push all your chips in. You bet. Like, <laughs> There's not a single person in the in the minors that isn't tradable. Do the minors now look at a guy like Eda and say everybody but because mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. quite so sure after that eight game losing streak and obviously the tough schedule they've got ahead. But for me, I mean, it is a case of we're here, we're we're right where we need to be. Let's just continue. Those eight games, there's nothing can be done about that now. Yeah, the minors need to. Con- continue to put the gas on and, and try and and try and get a playoff berth it's it's something that i know the shortened season um was was lovely but a, a full season where no one can take it away from you as a fluke mm. the minds they need to do this for the fans i know i'm quite negative in that sense of this is a business and they don't actually really care and they don't need the fans money because the way that baseball's constituted you make plenty of money anyway but Mm. for the fans that's where i'm at i'm still hoping they buy because there are fans out there that deserve it do you think this nine game stretch including a walk-off win against the rockies as i have to call out but they didn't play well in that game either um with aj puck giving up another home run do you think this stretch after the All-Star break has adjusted their thinking at all in terms of, to, like, to your point, I think this is where you're leaning to, is, like, how invested do they get at this deadline? And because they're now not five games ahead of, you know, the chasing pack uh, for this, they're feeling a little bit more insecure, perhaps, about their wildcard aspirations. Does it change the strategy? Or does it even heighten the strategy does it even just heighten the need to say actually we were going to go all in because we really have a chance now we really need to go all in to stay having a chance or do we just let this season just fade away do you think anything's going to be changing here for for kim the front office or is it they're just going to be making the same deals irrespective i think there's (laughs) it's bizarre to say there's still a little bit of time i think if if the marlins win uh, uh, go above 500 in these remaining games before the deadline, that might make a difference. And it'll be interesting to see how the market evolves. Because as yeah. you said, there are teams that are three, four, five games below 500 who still probably think they're in, in the mix yeah. and have an opportunity. Or the way that their minus league setup is, if they've got some pieces that they want to burn through and, and make a push. So for me, I think the minus will still be buyers. I'll be interested to see how deep they go in. But I've I, we've already discussed the idea that there, there are smaller level pieces. Like the Marlins aren't going to go and get Otani. They were never going to get Otani. We talked about some of the higher level starting pitchers that are available at the moment mm. at the deadline. Maybe they don't go all in on one of those guys and take a couple of moderate. Marlins need innings. Like I'd, I'd rather see the yeah. Marlins get two mid-tier free agent, uh, upcoming free agents rather than go for one of the big, big names because the, those extra double amount of innings is is what the Marlins actually do really need. Yeah, and you think you still think that's their biggest priority? I mean, we're going to talk about the pen after the ad. Um, 
But do you still is is a starting pitcher that can give you consistent length? Let's just describe it like that. Um, you know, consistent length of three, four run ball. Is that still the main priority at this point, considering the age, the innings that is currently sat in the rotation and at double A? We'll we'll speak about him as well at some stage. Yeah, I think bringing in a guy that's going to give you 60 more innings, ideally two, and get those 120 innings. Yeah. Like we've, we've discussed to death the idea that Lozardo is going to blow through his innings this year above he's he's where he is at his max previously at 100 like 160 180 that's that's just straight up asking for trouble yeah. uh the same with edward cabrera uh garrett's got more innings but i think we're already starting to see like that that tiredness that the wheels are starting to come off a little bit mm-hmm. uh, sandy sandy like if was as much as he struggled, I still expect him to throw 200 innings, and that has absolutely has a value. The Marlins need, yeah, depth of innings. They they yeah. do need bullpen help, and I would like to see an upgrade here and there in the lineup as well. So all of a sudden, I'm spending a lot of that capital anyway. Again, aren't I? I'm still I'm still all in on this season. Um, yeah, at, that, to at, me, Sean, uh, you. you... You've just acquired four guys there at the deadline, two starters and two bullpen pieces. No bats, interestingly, which, uh, you know, is is kind of a, a weird situation. I think I spoke about it a few weeks back, even maybe a month ago, just how disappointing it feels that the Marlins at this point, having had the start they've had and have the various assets that they do in the organization, that their main need is to go and get a starter. It's some level of it's un, it's just unfortunate with some guys, you know. It's it it's just a little bit disheartening. We've always been speaking about let's develop these arms, trade them for some sticks. Now we've got to try and find a way to move the only healthy arms that are there that aren't pitching at the majors or are soon to be back to go and get some arms to stick and give a sticking plaster on this rotation to help this year going. But Sean, listen, it has to be done, like. The, need, the needs are obvious, the pen's creaking, and it all stems from they need the starters to deliver length, mate. And so that has to be P1 here for um, for Kimang. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, we can say in the in the spring or in the off-season, Martin's got arms for days, but that never lasts. And, we, and you, it almost sounds foolish to keep doing this every spring, but we'll do it again next we'll do spring, it I'm sure. Again. Yeah, 100%. Um, you've, got to fill, <laughs> you've got to fill these episodes. Um, but no... Baseball is uh, is a, a sport of attrition, and there's not a single major league baseball team that that go through a whole season with their starting five rotation pitching for no. games. It just does not happen. It's no mathematically impossible. So yeah, the Marlins do still need um, yeah ideally two guys, um, and not attempting to um, segue us over, but Cueto's return it oh, has. Man absolutely helped that situation really in my mind you have segued us perfectly uh, before we get there it's time to let you know about our good friends over at sleeper but after the ad we will be talking about johnny cueto i also want to talk to you about jesus lazardo you've already mentioned him as well what stuck out for me yesterday career day for lazardo on a few areas strikeouts also innings sorry innings number of pitches thrown so, yes, he was allowed to continue, and we all applaud that situation. We all get excited about that, 
But there's another element to that I did want to talk to you about as well, as well leading into the bullpen from yesterday's game. But before we do that, as I mentioned, this episode, if you're watching, you'll see the graphics are up. It's like good friends over at Sleeper. And if you want the chance to win more money with less picks, head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Yes, sir. Um, They're offering up to 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats, like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big time. Big, big time. Off day today for the Marlins. So thinking ahead to Tuesday, Glasnow's going for the Rays. That's going to be tough. Going to be tough for the Fish. Glasnow always seems to pitch well against the Marlins. Um, I do wonder... I do wonder if Jesus Sanchez is due a bomb in this series. And maybe against Glasnow, that would be absolutely glorious. It's going to be a tough ass for the Marlins in the trop, of course. But if you want to get in on the action, then uh, you, you, here's the promo code. Got to use the promo code. It's locked on, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. They are currently operational in over 30 states. And you can check out Sleeper today. All right, guys, welcome back here. It's Sean Barrett, Peter Pratt, hitting it up on Locked On Marlins on Monday, the 24th of July. Uh, it's time to talk the rotation, Sean. We've got Cueto in caps. That's how good of an outing it was. Uh, Johnny Cueto, I, I don't know what was happening in this rehab assignment. It was the ultimate I don't care rehab. It was a spring training situation. Cueto is just straight up trolling everyone. And comes out and twirls that gem after a, a a scoreless outing out of the bullpen. I was losing my mind thinking the Marlins were going to go for some sort of bullpen game exactly when they didn't need it. They turned to Johnny Cueto. Skip Schumacher's asking everything from Johnny Cueto. Sean, is this the biggest surprise of the year that Johnny Cueto delivered what he did against the Colorado Rockies? I'm, to a certain degree, yes, but then there were other factors. I mean, hoeing in particular, like well, how on earth did we expect that to happen? But no, Quato, we, we'd left him for dead, hadn't we? We genuinely, like, we were, we're talking about just DFA and him, like, we've just wasted the best part of $10 million, but we don't care, get rid of him. Even at the point when the miners we knew needed the innings. But yeah, you say it's a troll job, and, and to a certain degree, Maybe uh, it's weird, isn't it? Like Quato's been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. He's a 37-year-old pitcher who's who's played for multiple franchises, pitched for years, earned mm. over 150 million dollars. How invested do you think he would be in going out there on a double A field in front of well, to be fair, it's not going to be in front of many more people at, the, at Lone Depot Park, is it really? But, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, it is a case of how how hyped could he really be to go out there and pitch in the minors? Uh, and if you don't turn up, you don't turn up, you get lit up. Uh, but for me, the start was, you know, the stuff was, was for the limited expectations, pretty good. Yeah. Did it help? Did it help that the limitations were set so low, the bar was so low? Is this one of those where in our heads... There's been some sort of David Blaine trick played here where we had the bar set so low with Cueto and it was against 
the Colorado Rockies, and all of a sudden you end up with a line which was six plus, two hits, one earned, just a single walk, and eight Ks. I mean, this is some voodoo magic here from Johnny Cueto, but I know the Marlins didn't end up winning the game, which was disappointing in itself. Um, they end up blowing the game, um, which was disappointing. Chagua uh, came in and uh, gave up a home run there, three-run blast, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, for Cueto to deliver that when needed, I mean, it was huge. Also, though, Sean, let's look ahead. Next time out for Cueto, like he's slotted in to start now. There's no ifs, no buts. All of a sudden, the Marlins, they have a five-man rotation again. Eddie Cabrera's back. Cueto looks like he's back. And Cueto's going against the Detroit Tigers next out. So, you know, in a time of need, this is the best opportunity for Johnny Cueto to deliver meaningful innings, I think. Like, he's found a little soft landing zone. And all of a sudden, you know, he has the ability to, to excel, maybe. And the Marlins can get three, four, five starts out of Cueto, like five, six innings. Like, from where we were, this would be a big, fat dub, I think. What about you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if the Marlins can get 40 to 60 innings, exactly what you'd be trading for out of Cueto. Yeah. Uh, you know, even before we saw him pitch, we talked about four, four and a half ERA over 20, 25 starts. Yeah. We'll take that. Yeah. I will take that abbreviated version of that now for the rest of the season. And I watched, I've lit, I had a busy weekend, but I've gone back and watched the game. Cueto's stuff looked okay, like 94, which for a guy that's not known for his velo now, is, is not too shabby. No. Movement on it, it looked good. Control looked good on it. First pitch strikes to, to pretty much every batter. He looked good, albeit against the Rockies. But like you said, this is a soft landing for him. If he can give the Marlins five, six innings for the rest of the season at relatively good sort of level of ERA, then... He might not quite have earned the 8.5 that the Marlins are paying for him, but he'll get awfully close if the Marlins make the playoffs. Not off the back of him doing that, but helping that situation would certainly make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, his next start, I mean, I mentioned the Tigers. That'll be his uh, next start, his last start, in effect, before the trade deadline. The one after that, then, will be against the Phillies, who'll be coming into town for a four-game series. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. The other interesting fact as well is, like, kind of what happens if Cueto gets absolutely destroyed against the Tigers. Like, all of a sudden, the bar has risen now with Cueto, and we're kind of going, okay, so we're looking for six innings of one-run ball. Next thing is, what happens if it's, you know, we can't get out the second inning for whatever reason, he's blown up. Like, the decision kind of comes back around. The Marlins, for the rest of this year in some ways, or at least before the deadline. That's why it's interesting for the next start. They will have this recurring decision to make around Johnny Cueto, because if there's a blow-up and it looks like he's not usable anymore, then they've got a call to make. So it's one to watch. It's definitely one to watch against the Tigers. I said it was a must-sweep series against the Rockies, and it, it felt like it was. Um, it, it's disappointing. But the one thing for the Marlins that's gone in their favor when they've got ice cold, the coldest of any club, all the other clubs around them have had a similar fate. The Phillies are cold. The Giants are cold. The Diamondbacks are cold. The Reds have started to trend after having a cold spell as well. Everyone's having cold stretches. So what I'd say to everyone listening here is, let's not panic. Let's not panic. The needs are clear. 
This club has shown it can win close games all year. The needs are clear. Let's fix, let's fix this rotation, give themselves a little bit more depth, and I think the byproduct will be the bullpen can get itself back in gear too. I think right now, Skip's just, he's running out of arms. Who Those guys are running out of innings, and he's running out of trust. And we're going to talk about that shortly as well, about the closing situation, because we saw for the first time this year, Sean, a slight wrinkle, a slight wrinkle appear in that spot. But I just want to go back and talk about Jesus Luzardo. Again, you've mentioned his innings, and he ended up having a career high in pitches in that game again, again against the Rockies and their offense without CJ Crone and Chris Bryant. They had nothing out there, and they were leaning into the Lazardo so heavily, asking him to go 115 pitches. Like to me, that's a sign that Skip is that concerned about his pen that he's having to take the training wheels off. He's having to take the wheels off Lozado. Skip's been babying all of the starters all year, apart from Sandy. And then he was even, you know, quick hooked as well for periods. We're now seeing Skip Schumacher just saying, listen, this is needs must now. We're in needs must situation with these starters. Lozado 115 for me was a shock. But to follow up on that, Tanner Scott walked out in the eighth inning. Having just thrown 33 pitches or 32 pitches the day before, I was tweeting saying, Tanner Scott's going to be down. He's going to be unavailable. How are they going to sol- solve these leverage innings? Tanner Scott strolls out there. It absolutely stunned me. That was must-win playoff almost managing from Skip Schumacher on a Sunday game against the Colorado Rockies. That's how badly he wanted to snap that skid. Wild scenes, mate. I mean, how do you... You know, how do you kind of analyze that 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 decision making? I I think it is a case. I mean, we see it in the, the beginning of the season. Like there were a lot of relievers going again and again and again. Like super amount of innings. Like projected to pitch a hundred innings, and lo and behold, we're starting to lose a couple of them through injury and ineffectiveness. Yeah. yeah. And and you're right with Lazardo. Like not only the the one fifteen, like the seventh inning was a little bit loose with the yeah. walk and the wild pitch. And and it got a bit dangerous. But for me, the main concern is he's at 120 now. He threw 100 the season before. That was his max. If he's going to get rolled out every five days for the rest of the season, he's getting to 180. He's getting maybe to 190, 200. That's doubling a a 25. That is still young for a starting pitcher. That's... That's so dangerous, uh, and, it, and it has me concerned. Um, and there are there are managers in the, in the history of baseball that have been known to be pretty egregious with their bullpen usage. Um, and and skip in the early days, maybe just through desperation, maybe through wanting to try and uh, and show something in his first year, it, or maybe it's just a lack of options. So far, Skip has used the bullpen, and is using young arms in the rotation past the area where I feel comfortable. Uh, And this is why, for me, the Marlins have to be buyers at the deadline if they are going to want to compete because this is is a situation that now starts to become a concern for the future with with these young arms and and the bullpen pieces to a a lesser degree because bullpen fluctuations occur. 
the Marlins can't keep doing what they're doing and throwing these young arms out there. So for me to see him go the seventh, I get it. You're trying to snap a skid of, yep. of seven or eight losses. Like you, you're going out there trying to win a game, but mm. I, I, I do have my worries. For me, it was, and listen, I'm not taking, I watched the game and I, I got as excited. It was Sandy like when Skip strolls out there, they have the conversation and Skip strolls back and says, nope, you take it, you take it. And you get out, you get, you know, we got out of it. And that was exciting. But equally, I looked up, I went, wow, 115, that is a lot. And yet to your point, like, what's being asked of Jesus Lozado out of desperation? Like, they they have to do this right now because they've already had to do, they've had to go and park Yuri Perez down in AAA, oh, sorry, in AA, not, and he's not even throwing, really, you know, bullpens, but, you know, no innings, which in some ways makes sense. But, you know, the, Braxton Garrett showing signs too. He's approaching, you know, I guess maybe career highs. Eddie Cabrera's been out for a while. He's not got any huge career highs either. Like, there's just, apart from Sandy, there's such little history of going, you know, beyond 100, really. And that's what's going to be necessary here, um, I think. So, boy, oh, boy, that was some wild situation. Let's finish up real briefly, though, Sean, because I think we could carry on on this topic. But I did want to talk about the closing situation. Um, AJ Puck, obviously, in yesterday's game, gave up the home run. He's been giving up home runs uh, pretty regularly um, in recent times. Another blown save there for AJ Puck. Um, in on the Saturday game, AJ Puck came and worked the real clean eighth. Actually, then Tanner Scott got the ninth. Um, Skip Schumacher spoke after the game around that, saying we just liked the pockets. That's the language he's using. We like the pocket of hitters, the pockets, and we liked Scott against their three, four, five, and we thought we'd flip it around. Still see AJ Puck as the closer. Tanner Scott, no doubt, has been immense in the role he has. But this feels to me exactly like Anthony Bass from last year. Just leave him in the role. He is very good in the role. We've seen enough of Tanner Scott in the ninth to know what that looks like. And we saw it again this time. What happened in the ninth? There was a hit, hit by pitch. I think an, a walk or something like next thing is you're like, Oh boy, here we go again. So where's your head at here with this AJ Puck, Tanner Scott situation. Are you sticking with Puck in the ninth or do they need to go and find someone else for the ninth at this point? I think it is a case of like, you trust your manager. Like you said, with Scott, like you look, you can look at his season numbers and go, maybe they should be given an opportunity now that Puck has shown some struggles, but if he feels comfortable in the setup role, that's where you pitch him. And, and yeah, like I said, if the Marlins are going for the playoffs and, and everything they've done in, in bringing up Uri quickly, yep. keeping him in that rotation, pushing that number, pushing this huge storyline by keeping him in the rotation, the, um, Lozaro is a perfect example. You know, they're, they're using him excessively. Mm. Marlins clearly are showing themselves to be all in as far as wanting to win this season. Yep. So for me, yeah, you need to go out and buy a guy. You need to go and get yourself a, a legitimate closer or reliever with closer experience, a guy that you know isn't just a good pitcher for the 7th or the 8th. He's a good pitcher that can stomach the pressure of being closer because yeah. right now, Puck, do you, we, we spoke about Segura at third base. Do you tr Can Kim trust her job on Segura? And that was an obvious no. 
At this point, can she trust her job on AJ Puck in the closer role? Right now, I don't think so. Yeah, it's so it's so tricky. I I, I still believe that the puck. Yeah, I spoke about it. I think maybe last week. It just, I'd love for them to have the the righty in there, and I think this but this links down to Andrew Nardi, and. Um, I mean, Andrew Nardi's on the IL. We thought that was just going to be a little breather, but now that seems to be a prolonged period. And Dylan Floro, just like, he started the year so well, Floro, and we're speaking about it, saying, great, they've got Floro that's got experience. Tanner Scott, they've got AJ Puck now. They've got Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes done for the year. Floro, I don't know what's happened to him, but he has heavily regressed to a point where, you know, a leverage inning that was popping up a few days ago, Quado was warming up. A leverage inning as well the other day. Brazaban seems to have kind of leapfrogged Dylan Floro right now. So, man, oh man, I don't know what's happened to him, but he is, it, it, you know, the, by the numbers anyway, it's gone so heavily backwards. Did see something earlier saying that they think Dylan Floro is the most unlucky Marlins reliever, I think, of all time. I saw someone had downloaded all the stats and the variance between ERA and FIP and what you, you know, however you, you analyze it. It's a wide variance. So maybe there is. Not maybe, but it feels like there is some bad luck in there with Floro. But to me, they badly need a righty arm that can sandwich in between Scott and Puck. For me, that's how I'd like to see I'd like to see Scott in the seventh. I'd like to see a righty in the eighth, and I'd like to see Puck in the ninth. Like, that feels like a nice balance. And right now, it's O'Kurt, it's Scott, it's Puck. Lefty, lefty, lefty. After facing Jesus Lazardo all game as well. You've had a full game facing lefties. And your eyes adjust. They just kind of adjust. And we're seeing that with Puck. I think Puck's kind of getting unlucky too. But looks like Puck remains the closer. Tanner, I mean, Tanner Scott didn't lock it down in the ninth. Like, he came out in the ninth and it didn't work either. So, a lot of decisions here. But this comes down to... We needed pen help, and it's been obvious for some time. But And I saw the Braves today, mate, made a couple of moves to address their pen. So I know the elite guys aren't available, but there is help out there of the Marlins seek it. And again, that's one for me, a topic that I've been surprised that they haven't gone to that well earlier and just tried to find not warm bodies, but like relatively capable guys that aren't ultra high leverage. That's been a big surprise for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you use the phrase warm bodies. At this point, that's what the Marlins need. They've they've used so many of the bullets of these relievers that you can't expect a guy to have elite performance in his 50, 60, 70, 80th inning of, of yeah. work through the season. just doesn't happen. And relievers are, unfortunately, disposable. They are the running back of baseball. And... <laughs> The Marlins at this point are, are trotting out guys that have been overused. So, yes, I'd like them to see them get a, an elite pitcher to, for the ninth or a setup man. Or, but ultimately, all they need is they need to add something. Yeah. As you said, you, you've been on the train of they need to do something early. Um, I'm at the point now that they've missed that opportunity. They need to do it often. They need multiple additions if they want to push for the playoffs. And as I said, that is what they've shown that they want to do. So Kim's going to be very busy over the really next busy. four, five, six days for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great points to finish it up there from Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, of course. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listener of the day, guys. And uh, of course, we'll be back 
tomorrow. We're going to be back very early tomorrow because we're about to hit a double episode extravaganza. So when you tune into tomorrow's episode, we may look similar. It may be the same clothing, but it's a double header for us. There's just so much to get into. But overall, the Marlins are still buyers at this deadline. I think irrespective of what happens in the next two series, they're still buyers. All the signals remain that they are all in. And to Sean's point as well, they need to go in often. They need to double, triple, quadruple dip, it feels, with arms, bullpen and starters. It's going to be so busy for Kim, no doubt about it. And we haven't even talked about the offense and how they can upgrade the offense because the pitching is in that much disarray right now, particularly the bullpen, I would say, that that has to be the focus. Guys, thanks for joining us on Monday. I'll be back tomorrow, of course, uh, looking pretty similar. Look forward to seeing you then.